Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey, thank you, Scott. What's up, everybody? Thanks. And welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska at an undisclosed location. Happy New Year. We're halfway through January. It is crazy, but we've got a great show for you today. And before we get started, if you like this podcast and if you love freedom and if you love the Constitution like we do, then give us a five-star review. And if you have the time, why not write a comment? We really like hearing from you. We know that your feedback will just make us better. So hit the donate button at mustreadalaska.com. And that's because we are reader-driven and listener-driven. We're conservative news and views about Alaska for Alaskans. And we keep the mainstream media on their toes, let me tell you, every single day. I am Suzanne Downing, and you know my host, um, John Quick, on the other line from Nikiski, Alaska. He keeps us current things on uh, about all things going on in the Kenai. Scott Levesque is our producer in Anchorage. And you can hear Scott on the Wednesday edition of the Must Read Alaska show, which he is hosting all by himself, but he's also got guests. We've got a lot going on. It's 22 degrees in Fairbanks and a kind of a sloppy 46 degrees and raining in Juneau, it's destroying all the snow at Eagle Crest. But John, it looks like it's perfect ice skating weather on the Kenai Peninsula. So what's the news from Kenai Peninsula today? Hello, Suzanne, John Quick here from the Kenai Peninsula. I wanna give you two little tidbits of news that's happening on the Kenai Peninsula. I'm gonna start out with a positive thing. So out here in Nikiski, we have one of the uh, one of the original homesteading families, the Porters, have come together with some other folks and they formed a nonprofit to create the North Road Pioneers. And what this is essentially is it's, it's a group that wants to preserve the history of folks that homesteaded and folks that were first here during the original days out in Nikiski. So they formed a group and they want to uh, hear stories about the original pioneer, pioneer days. They want to hear stories about the original homesteader days. And they want to compile these stories. And eventually they want to build an actual museum out here in Nikiski, which I think would be great. You know, if, if you've been to Hope, Alaska, you've noticed really throughout the whole town, there's little slices of history, whether it's buildings or plaques. And I think Hope's done a really good job at preserving the history that out there in Hope. And so we would kind of want to do that out here in Nikiski. And so for folks that are listening that may be uh, out on the peninsula or out near the North Road or out near Nikiski, you can go to northroadpioneers.com and check it out. Uh, site just launched and, and really they're just asking for, for stories and pictures at this point with the hopes of potentially opening a museum down the road. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, that sounds so I, good. Yeah, it's exciting. I love history, you know. I'm a big, 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 big fan of history. And my uh, my son, who's nine, literally can't get enough of history. He reads like seven books a week on history. So um, this will it'll be a good thing. Anytime you can preserve history is a good thing. And it's a good day. So um, the other slice of news I think that folks on the Kenai and around the state of Alaska should be interested in is that uh, the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District has incorporated kind of a new set of rules that I just think are ludicrous. 
for athletes, uh, folks participating in uh, really anything, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, you name it. You, they have required the student athletes to wear a mask, not only on the sidelines, but also during practices and during competitions. And this, you know, I would say goes way, way, way too far. I don't know about you, but playing a basketball game while wearing a mask is probably not the healthiest thing to do. Uh, I, I can just picture kids being passed out uh, on the basketball floor and, you know, kids losing their breath and getting winded and the mask is going to be soaking wet because of all the sweat. And I just don't think there's any science behind wearing a mask during a basketball game. And, you know, you look at things like the NBA, the NFL, uh, college basketball, none of those uh, places require you to wear a mask during the competition. So it begs the question, does the Kenai Peninsula School District superintendent know some sort of science that the experts in the NBA or the experts in the college basketball world or the ex experts in the NFL world don't know? Like they have some slice of the pie, some sort of expertise of wearing a mask that, that they don't know. And if they do, we'd love to hear it. And oh, my guess really is they don't, but uh, you know, We'd love to know the reasons why. Well, it's really interesting because you you know what we're hearing now from all of the medical experts and and their their science is changing as they get more information. So I, I give them that. I get that at the beginning they didn't have as much information. Now they have a little bit more. But now they're telling us that the that the vaccine itself, which is being administered pretty robustly around the state, is only going to be you know it's it's only going to be good for maybe a year, and then you're going to have to get another one, another one. So every year. We're going to have to have this vaccine, and they are telling us that um, you will still have to wear a mask. So they are making it the new normal, and they're making it a new normal for children to have to play sports in masks. And I think that's going to be a real problem for parents. I don't think parents are ready to accept this as the new normal. No, I think the school district needs to realize the new normal is kids won't be in your schools and you're going to be defunded and that's going right. to be the new normal. That will be the new normal. Well, let's talk about some of the big stories going on around the state and around the nation, starting with the nation, because I just want to remind you that last week when we were talking, it was a high drama because Nancy Pelosi was becoming House Speaker by only eight votes. It was just, you know, she barely made it as Speaker, but this week, she is going to be filing articles of, of impeachment against the president again. And I just wanted to talk about that for a moment. I don't want to get so hung up on Trump that we don't talk about other things today, but it is the big national story and we're witnessing history right in front of us here. And it's, it's fascinating because it changes by the moment, it seems like. But here's a question, you know, did Trump actually incite a riot? Well, well no, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, he was, he's always very robust, very emotional in all of his speeches. I think that, you know, looking back on it, hindsight's 2020, I probably wouldn't have had the rally at the Capitol. You'd probably have it somewhere else. So that way- well, he it, didn't, he had it two miles from the Capitol. I mean, he had it over, yeah. over, over the, they had to hike all the way over to the Capitol to do the rioting. So, but here's the interesting thing is that that is a 45 minute walk. And um, it, the, the riot part of that protest was already going on when he was still speaking. 
And if you peel apart what he said, he just said, we're going to go over there peacefully and cheer them on and you know, peaceful protest. And yet, um, you know, he knows his base really well. He, you know, the, the, the Capitol Police apparently don't know his base and the mayor of D.C. certainly doesn't understand his base. But he should have known that his base was going to be pretty wound up and probably made some other plans. I don't know that the president handled this quite right. I would say he didn't. Um, I also don't think that he handled the situation in Georgia properly when he called the um, secretary of state and said, hey, I just need you to do, do me a solid here and find, find, some, find some more votes for me. You know, that just doesn't ring right when you're meddling in a state's elections. Um, you know, Georgia does have corrupt elections and they have for all of their history, but it, you, the president can't call and look for votes. He just can't. So I, I feel like um, he's got a responsibility to the Republican Party not to damage the party. And at this point, well, you know, he, he needs to take responsibility for his own actions, too, and be a leader one way or the other. Now, you're you're sort of wiggling in your seat. You can't wait to say something. Go for it. <laughs> Well, I think the thing that I would say to folks is that um, there's always going to be a new president, right? Every four years or every eight years, there's going to be a new president. There's going to be a new vice president. And the world keeps going. And I know that uh, for us that are conservative, we would have really loved to have another conservative uh, be president for four years. But as conservatives, we keep going. We keep showing up to work. We keep getting involved in local elections. We keep getting involved and we run for school board seats. We run for assembly uh, seats. We get on community councils. We need to get involved. And I think that this is not a place where you put all of your uh, responsibilities aside and do something crazy. This is the part of life where we learn from what happened and we keep plugging away and we get more involved and we we show who we are at the ballot box and we keep showing up. And I know that that's probably not a, a popular thing to uh, hear right now, but um, I think we have a responsibility to our communities and to our families and to our state to let's make a long term change, not do some short term crazy stuff. Well, you know, that's and that's a really good point. And in the newsletter this morning, I wrote a little bit about that. And I know that um, Pastor Ron Hoffman at Anchorage Baptist Temple also spoke about this over the over um, in his sermon on Sunday, where, which is, you know, we've got to vote. The, the, we've got to get out and vote. We've got to be involved. And it it starts at the local level, quite honestly. It you know, we, we did seem to lose the presidency. I, I must say that there are 73 million people who voted for Donald Trump. But in Alaska, you remember in 2016, he wasn't the favorite. He wasn't the favorite candidate. Ted Cruz was. Uh, Ted Cruz got more votes than Donald Trump and went to the um, to national convention with more delegates. Well, we're, we're past that now. And, and Donald Trump got the most votes of any president in history. That's what's so amazing. I mean, 73 million votes. No president has ever gotten that many. The only person who's gotten more votes in history at this point is the 80 million votes that Joe Biden got. We don't know where all those um, six, six or seven million extra votes came from because, you know, the guy never left his basement. I get all that. 
Yeah. But, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing I would say from, in my opinion, from here on out is that we should be, the thing that scares me the most is that overnight you saw a president and a bunch of conservatives silenced overnight with oh, social yeah. media. Oh they got gosh. taken off Facebook. They got taken off Spotify. They got taken off YouTube. They got taken off everything left and right. And that right there should worry folks. I mean, we're, we're going to get a new president every four to eight years, but not every four to eight years, you have these major companies taking away your constitutional right to have free speech. Now, you could argue these are private companies and all that kind of stuff. And but I still think it sets a really bad precedent. And what you saw, I think, yesterday was the ACLU came out with a brief or I don't know what the legal term is, but they came out with a, a statement saying, and this is the ACLU who is has historically for the last five years had every nothing but bad things to say about President Trump has not sided with him probably on anything. They've come out and said that this is a very bad stance for these media companies to uh, dethrone all these conservatives because it sets a very bad precedent. If you can silence the president, you can silence the person that works at Safeway or The Gap or Abercrombie and Finch just as easy. And uh, and we'll we'll see where the chips fall. But I do not think silencing people is a good way. I think open debate, open dialogue, even if you disagree is always the best way to do it. Yeah, so I agree with that. But you know what, I, I saw that what Twitter did to the um, to the president's account, he took, they took away, Jack Dorsey took away the, the real Donald Trump account. So he switched over to the official government account, which was the POTUS account, which he doesn't get to keep when he leaves. That's the next uh, president's account. And Jack Dorsey cut that one too. So he's cutting off the government account. So now who is more powerful, the government or these tech companies? And I think we know the answer to that, that the tech companies are just more powerful. So um, that, that ought to concern everybody. And I know it concerns us here at Must Read Alaska. We're, we're being real careful not to mention certain companies in stories because their artificial intelligence is actually crawling through our stories with their little spiders, looking for keywords, looking for who's talking about them. And then they have the ability to either shadow ban us or outright ban us. I also think that we will be moving um, or will be creating a secondary uh, site on a private server to mirror what we have so that in case we get shut down, we have a place to go and, and pop ours back up again. Now, Parler, which is a free speech platform, they got shut down. They got shut down by their server. And that's, that's where the risk is, is that you get shut down by social media, but you can also get uh, shut down by your server and they're still not up. This is a uh, 24 hours later. So we are taking it seriously. This um, There's nothing that government can do to force Twitter, Facebook, or Amazon, or Google, or any of these others, YouTube. Um, give me a couple others that they that, that have shut people down. Uh, Spotify and uh, Pinterest. Pinterest. Even, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, a friend of mine said it best. I was talking to her. She's, she's a, uh, um, she's a liberal and she's very well respected in her community. And we had a good conversation. She's somebody that I talked to about this kind of stuff. And, and she said that, that uh, the, the government is one when they've pitted each other against us and that it's actually the bureaucratic party that, that, that we should be up against this entrenched system that will mm -hmm. stop at nothing to win. It doesn't matter if, if who they are on either side, they have jobs and contracts mm -hmm. 
and countries they want to help with their pet projects. And this bureaucratic party will do everything that they can to protect themselves to move forward. And, mm -hmm. uh, and if they have us against each other, they, they win. So yeah, well, don't tell her, but that's the deep state. That's what we're, yeah. we've been talking about for many years. She, she's your liberal friend who's, who's calling it the bureaucratic party. We just call it something different. It's deep state and they are definitely winning. Um, and I don't know if you saw today, but I, I sent to you um, as a message, something from uh, the state department and the state department had the biography of Donald J. Trump up there and they had the end date for his presidency <laughs> as today. Today is the last day, according to the Department of State, that he is president. And it's like, who does that? I mean, this is the official State Department website, and they they are saying his presidency ended today. Don't know what that means. It could have just been a mistake, but it certainly doesn't play well here in the heartland. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, what's going on with the Biden cabinet. We don't want to complain too much about Donald Trump. We've got to look at what's coming up. The new kids on the block are the same old kids on the block. And yeah. these are the, so basically the people who are running the government during the Obama years are coming back. And I posted a big list of them up because I, uh, up on our website at mustreadalaska.com because I think people really need to know, you know, who is it that we're going to be dealing with? Who's going to be running things? And we're seeing some familiar faces. These some of these we've reported before, like Gina McCarthy. Gina McCarthy was the head of the EPA. She is now going to be the uh, the climate change czar for for Biden administration. Problem with that is that is not a position that even has to be confirmed by the Senate. So she is just going to be one of the most powerful people in, in government because she she can just move right in and start you know making making policy basically. And um, and then one, the other one that concerns me is this Deb Holland, who's a New Mexico, um, she's a Democratic representative, and she is a Native American, and she is going to be running the Department of Interior. So uh, the concern we have there is that she is extremely hostile to Alaska Native corporations because she lives in a world where people aren't on reservations, and she she believes in you know reservation world. Well, up here we don't have reservations, not really. We have a little one down in Metlakatla, but. Uh, Basically, we have native corporations, we have village corporations, and we have a completely different experimental structure, but she's very hostile to it. And it's, it's because we've done well with our structure and as opposed to the people on the res reservations, they're still not, not doing well. Yeah, one of the, I think one of the uh, appointments that's not really surprising, but should be curious to folks is that um, he's going to keep Fauci as the, the chief medical advisor, which you know, for folks that are conspiracy theorists like I tend to be or look deeply about who had who Trump had advising him. I mean, this was the guy that Trump stuck up for Fauci, you know, nine times out of 10 up until maybe the last couple months. And now he's going to be continue to be the 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 chief medical advisor consulting uh, Biden on all things COVID. And so uh, I think you'll see probably a lot of backlash from from folks that saying, you know, Trump should have never trusted him. Trump should have mm, fired sure. him. Trump should have done this. Trump should have done that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the rest of the list is like, you know, the who's who of the Obama administration, besides this one guy who is going to be a handover, I guess, from well, from. Well, well, Fauci's been uh, running infectious disease for uh, the United States government for many, many years. So yeah. he's been around for a long time. But let me tell you, when I say a long time, I mean a long time. He's 80 years old. 
And, you know, I, I get that he's really healthy and he's really vibrant and everything, but he's the guy who last year told us that you don't want to marry, you don't, you don't want to be wearing masks. Those are for experts. And then this year he's told, he, he's telling us, um, well, we, you know, we, you know, we, we don't want you to, to, you're going to have to keep wearing your mask even after you have your vaccine. And oh, by the way, um, the vaccine is only going to be, we only reach herd immunity until when we get to like 70%, because I didn't want you to know before, because in other words, he, he tells us things. And then later on, we find out that he's been lying to us because he didn't think we were grown up enough to hear it. So um, it, we, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, because of course, they all have to go in front of the Senate. Not he doesn't have to, but yeah. the rest of them, like um, all the cabinet positions have to go in front of the Senate for confirmation. That is a 50-50 proposition. But of course, we've heard last week from Lisa Murkowski that she's not even sure she wants to be a Republican anymore. In fact, if Donald Trump does not resign, she's not sure there's a role for her in the Republican Party. We've got some other uh, people who are kind of, you know, soft Republicans. Um, they're convenient Republicans, and they'll probably easily confirm all of these appointments. I don't see any of them getting a hard time. And, and Lisa will probably not stand up for um, Alaska's resource economy when it comes to the Department of Interior either. So. Sad for us. Yes, and then and you know it's just it's one of they, these people are going to be praised in the media, and you know these people are going to be looked at as the best thing since you know four years ago when Obama was president, and they're going to have no checks and balances, and everything's just going to go on their merry way. And uh, you know, I guess this goes to show you that it'll speak more towards the the state of the union of. Uh, where the media is at, because you will see a drastic shift from the last four years of hatred towards this administration to be loving this administration. And some some people are looking forward to that because they're sick and tired of all the negative stuff in the media. Yeah, there's a lot of drama out there. That's I a, think it's, one it's, of the it's been four years of drama, you know, because yeah. because Trump is such an unusual person. He is he will never have another president like him again. He's so unusual, but he does exhaust you. You know, there there is that. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the bigger stories that I think is is poignant to folks in Alaska is the Senate and the House are trying to organize. Oh man! And you just put out a story. You had an original story a couple ah. of days ago about how the Senate and the House were in talks and it didn't seem to be going anywhere, and this has been a stickler point for folks that follow politics in Alaska because they will they will do these things and they will they will they will have more Republicans than Democrats in the House or the Senate and then they will party up and do this bipartisan majority which on paper looks like it everybody's singing a kumbaya in front of a fireplace and drinking hot cocoa together but really it just means that nothing's going to get done and so from what it looks like, from what the story that you just put out is the Senate appears to be forming a bipartisan majority. I know that you Here have some again. insights into that. What are, what are your thoughts when it comes to that and can it be efficient? Yeah, so, you know, there's 13 Republicans in the Senate and there are seven Democrats. And of course, we, we just went through kind of a, a little bit of a purging ourselves. We um, the Republicans in uh, in House in Senate District N got rid of um, Kathy Giesel because they felt that she was too cozy with Democrats and and um, and too uh, arrogant about Republicans and their concerns. And also they they got rid of um, John Coghill up in Fairbanks and he'd been in the Senate for many years and was a you know really great guy. But um, he had been her her 
rules chair and he's just, um, they, he was tied to Kathy Giesel and that cost him his job. So we, we've replaced them with uh, more, probably more solid Republicans, I think in the voters mind. But at the same time, we've got 13 in the Senate and yet what we see is, and we've heard on very good authority that Bert Stedman, who is a Republican from Sitka, is taking three with him and going and forming a majority with the Democrats, with the seven Democrats. Basically what that does mean is because our Republicans can't get along and can't cooperate with each other, once again, they are snatching um, defeat from the jaws of victory. They just don't know how to cooperate and work together as grownups and be reasonable with each other, realize that they're gonna have to give and take. It's really sad to see that we are going to, you know, see this handed over to the Democrats. If we can't keep a Republican majority in the Senate, when you have a a clear majority, I don't know what hope there is for the House, because that's a 2020 split. You cannot count um, Representative Louise Stutes as a Republican, because she has been caucusing with the Democrats for six years now. And so she just flies under the Republican flag. She gets reelected in her district but she is not actually a Republican. We know that. I'm not even going to bother calling her a rhino. It's just, I don't want to insult her. I'm just trying to state reality here. So if you've got 20 and 20 in the House and and they can't seem to organize, they're going to look over at the Senate and say, well, they had a clear Republican majority and yet the Democrats are running the show. We can too. That emboldens the Democrats in the House. And that, that ought to be the big signal to everybody about what's going to happen next. And you can you know, you can just about take it to the bank that the Democrats will be running the House in um, in the next two years. It's kind of sad for Alaska because obviously um, we worked hard over the course of the last election to try to um, to get more conservatives in, and more grownups. We were looking for more grownups and people who realize that we just can't keep spending money like we have been doing. We're going to have to make cuts. We're going to have to be careful with our state money and we don't want to tax people. But of course, as you saw in the pre-filed bills, <laughs> one of the first bills that was filed was a an income tax bill, and the Democrats are going to be st- trying to push this through. And uh, yep, they won't they won't get it past uh, Mike Dunleavy. I don't think an income tax, yeah. but but we're going to have to take this debate again to um, to the people. So yeah, I mean, I, if I had you know, <clears throat> I'm the average Joe in Alaska, and if uh, Bert Stedman and um, Click Bishop and Von Emhoff and Gary Stevens are listening. I would urge you to please consider thinking for a moment that you actually don't know better than everybody else. You were elected by the people for the people as Republicans. So please, for the love of God and all that is holy, just go with the Republican Party for once in your life. This is something that is going to be good for Alaska. I know that you think you know better than everybody else and everybody else is just the common folk and you sit in your little ivory tower and and from your little podium and you make every everybody you know bow down to your ways but this is the time where you could actually stand for what folks in the Republican party had hoped you had stood for and uh, you know if, if you go bipartisan you can go ahead and kiss your bye-bye careers goodbye because you looked and you saw what happened to the folks that thought they were smarter than everybody else two years ago. They ain't in there anymore. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you can do what you want and you can think you're smarter than everybody else. But at the end of the day, you answer to the people 
and the people ain't going to be too excited about your, uh, you know, uh, maneuvers here. Well, tell us what you really think, John, as usual. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're kind of running out of time. We didn't get around to the uh, Diamond Center saying no armed protest allowed on, on January 17th. You, folks, you're going to have to go to the website to read that story. And we can maybe, maybe Scott Levesque will talk about it on Wednesday. There'll be more I'm sure to talk about. But before we go, we do need to remind listeners that there is a Wednesday edition of the podcast goes up sort of late Wednesday evening and Thursday. And that's a wrap for today's show. I just want you to check out all the stories at mustreadalaska.com. And thank you, John Quick. Thank you, Scott Levesque. I love working with you guys. And if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. It makes it possible for us to you know, just stand up for what's right in Alaska. And if you would like to support the conservative side of the news, the donate button is on the right side of mustreadalaska.com. And that helps us stay strong against the blue wave of the activist liberal media. And let me tell you, they are, they're feeling their oats. They're feeling their victory lap. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska.